So what do we have to be thankful for? Is it a little bit harder this year to come up with uh, some things? There's a lot that is going wrong, a lot that has gone wrong these last several years. And things look like they're going to continue to go wrong. If you're paying attention much, you probably have a long list of complaints. After all, it's a fallen world and we're sinners among sinners. And so we wander off course and we hurt and we cause a lot of pain for each other. Well, that might sound like a matter of course, but complaints can be kind of a problem for Christians because ultimately we believe it's our God who's behind all of the events and circumstances of our lives. Often that means that life is puzzling, right? Sometimes life is frustrating. Sometimes it gets to where we almost lose hope. Which is why I really appreciate the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 1. The passage that was just read for us a moment ago. 1 Corinthians 1, 4-9 is such a helpful passage. Because here, Paul gives thanks for what he knows God is doing despite what he sees is happening. It's almost the inverse of the Luke reading, where everybody is giving thanks to God for what they see. They see Jesus, they see the triumphal entry, they see the prophecies of Zechariah being fulfilled before their eyes, and, and they give thanks and they rejoice. But here, Paul is giving thanks for what he knows God is doing despite what he sees is happening. So I'd like to read verses 4 to 9 one more time, and then I'm going to go on a little bit so that you understand the context in which Paul is giving thanks. So Paul says in verse 4, I always thank God, I always thank God for you, this is going to be important, I always thank God for you because of God's grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Now, here's the context for all of those thanks. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you, that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is one of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas. And still another says, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. I love that last bit, like Paul saying, I thank God I didn't baptize you people. The situation in Corinth, full of quarrels and divisions and arguments and disunity, is a disaster. It's a disaster. The books of 1 and 2 Corinthians address such varied and deep problems, so many problems of such a wide variety that those books of Paul's remain the primary text 2,000 years later for pastors. Because whatever problem we have in our churches, it's addressed in 1 and 2 Corinthians. So what Paul sees 
What Paul sees this happening is objectively bad. It's disagreements, division, disunity, quarrels, factions. Everything that he sees in Corinth is almost exactly the works of the flesh from Galatians 5. If you remember where Paul gives the fruit of the Spirit, and right before that he says the, the works of the flesh are these, and it's all these terrible things, and all of those terrible things are happening here in Corinth. What Paul sees is very clearly bad, but it's not just bad out there, it's bad for him. Because the church at Corinth is his church. This is personal. It's the ruination of his work, of his plan. He's got plans and hopes and dreams that depend on the Corinthian church. What's going to happen with those? So Paul is disappointed personally. He's frustrated. It's, it's hurting him. He's sad. And he is writing this letter. He's writing a letter. Do you remember writing letters? <laughs> writing a letter is not a way to get anything done. He doesn't have any control over the situation. It's a bad situation that's hurting him personally that he has no control over. Paul has to be thinking, what is God doing? God, why are you doing whatever it is that you're doing? I'm sure that you can relate. Disappointments, sorrows, lack of control, feeling like you've lost things and you hurt, you are in some kind of conflict or distress. And yet, this is what Paul sees. But what does he do? This is our reading. What does he do? Is he give thanks? He gives thanks. Now, he doesn't say, I want you to notice this, he doesn't say, you guys are all bad and the situation is really bad, but at least my bank account is okay. Right? At least my pets are healthy. At least my family and my friends are here today. He doesn't give at least thanksgivings, which is a lot of times what we do. Right? Oh, it's so bad, but at least we give thanks for something other than the problems, which is natural and normal. But that's not what Paul's doing. He's not using gratitude as an avoidance strategy, which is, I think, a lot of times how thanksgiving functions in our lives If you notice what Paul says in verse 4, he says, I always thank God for you, the Corinthians. Now, hang on. (laughs) The Corinthians are the problem. The the Corinthians are the thing that Paul sees as going bad. And Paul says, I give thanks to God for you. Well, let's listen again to what Paul gives thanks for. He says, I always thank God for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. I give thanks to God for you because in every way you were made rich in him, in all speech and knowledge. He says, I give thanks to God for you because the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, because you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for Jesus, because Jesus will sustain you to the end, because you will be guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, because the faithful God has called you into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What Paul sees is a church in chaos. What Paul sees is a disappointment filled with loss and sorrow. But what Paul knows is that God is at work even in that. God is at work in the lives of the Corinthians. And because he knows that, he gives thanks despite what he sees. And and I would even want to push on this just to go, go a little deeper here for just a second. Because this is the most broken church that Paul serves. And yet, this is the 
largest, longest expression of gratitude that Paul writes. The Corinthian church is the most messed up church that Paul interacts with. And this is the longest expression of gratitude that he writes to any church. Which I think means this, that it's not in spite of the pain of what Paul sees, but actually because of the pain. That Paul is moved to reflect on what he knows to be true in Jesus. If he was just happy with the Corinthians, if this was just good times, he wouldn't be forced to think about what God is doing. So he's moved to reflect on what he knows to be true through Jesus. And that is what gives Paul comfort and hope and fills him with gratitude. And, And by that, Paul trades what is a fragile source of comfort, what he sees, which as you know, can be taken from us. He trades a fragile source of comfort for an unshakable source of joy, which is the truth of God's word. And this, I would suggest, is the trade that the Thanksgiving holiday invites us Christians to make, to trade a fragile source of comfort for an unshakable source of joy, that we too can give thanks for what we know God is doing despite what we see. We can give thanks for what we know God is doing despite what we see. We're gathered here from different churches, so I don't know many of you or your stories or what you've gone through these last couple years. But if it's anything like the rest of us, right, it's been some hard years. (laughs) Life is hard anyways. The last couple years didn't make it easier. But what Paul demonstrates for us is that these hard times can become a source of gratefulness because they call us back to God's grace. The same things that he says about the Corinthians can be said of us as well, that the grace that was, we can be thankful for the grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus. And we can be thankful that we too are not lacking in any good thing. We can be thankful because the Lord Jesus Christ will sustain us to the end. We can be thankful because God who called us to him is faithful. You know, the Bible says very clearly many places, but most clearly perhaps in Hebrews 12, that sometimes things are going to be shaken And the author of Hebrews says that things are going to be shaken in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Things are going to be shaken so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Let us therefore be grateful because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Where does our help come from and where does our hope lie? Do we have what we need in Jesus to make it through what the Father in his wisdom and love has led us into? Jonathan Edwards, the, the old American Puritan preacher, says, Our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best things are yet to come. Amen? Our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best things... We can give thanks for what we know God is doing and will do, despite what we see is happening in our lives and all around us today. So let me conclude by encouraging you, friends. Let let every bad thing that happens remind you of the grace you have received and give thanks. And let every good thing that you lose 
remind you that nothing is lost in God. And give thanks. And the worse the times get in faith, let us point each other to the great days to come and give thanks. And we can give thanks. For the God who called us is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we lift up our souls to you this evening. We are not gathered here together because we are the most thankful people, but because we want to be. And it's hard, and most of the time we're not. And so we pray, Lord, that you would direct our hearts to the love of God in Christ Jesus. That you would direct our hearts to these truths, to all that is true in your word about you, about this world, about what you have done for us and to us, and what remains to be done, what we wait to see. Remind us of these wonderful, glorious truths so that when what we see around us invites us to complain or even despair, what we know according to your word may offer us things to be grateful for. And Lord, would you give us good hearts and help us to be grateful. We thank you, Lord God, for all you have done. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit among us. We thank you for this evening and this chance to be together, to sing, to contemplate scripture, to speak together prayers and, and truths. We thank you, Lord, for all these things and so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.